And we're back to Heart Fails 73. I got a quote. I'm going to kind of clip it a little bit here. It's a joint effort of believers from various churches to love God and our city by bringing the law, the gospel, and the call to repent and believe on Jesus to our LGBTQ plus neighbors. We spoke the truth in love with humility, boldness, and urgency. Smiles were had, tears were shed, and compassion for people was clear without compromising the gospel. Can you guess that quote? Uh, I wasn't sure who it was at first, but uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that was uh, that was myself. That was Mr. Stephen Nylon, actually. From five minutes ago is what my picture says, but I don't think it was five minutes ago. <laughs> uh, June 21st, perhaps, is, is, okay, yeah, I created it on June 21st, so that's probably when you posted this on the social media. Humility, boldness, and urgency. I've been adding that to my prayers ever since I read that. It, it's gone from Grand Rapids, Michigan to White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and it's just a virus, and we're going to get this all over the world um, as far as brothers and sisters, believers in the one true God reaching out to sinners without whatever label the sin may be by just reaching out with humility, boldness, and urgency. Right before we had started this, you had asked what the topic was last time. I don't. I did not listen to the last episode yet <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, I so I don't remember what we talked about. But this is the flip side. Last episode was pride. This time it is humility. Let's start there. You know, honestly, when we did the episode on pride, we talked a lot about humility, right? I think we talked a lot about how you can't be a Christian unless you're like how humility was a primary ingredient to the gospel because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In the reading of um, of that post, that that's actually part of at least Frontline Street Ministry. That's it's part of our mission statement that we would proclaim uh, proclaim the truth and love with humility, boldness, and urgency. Those groups, those like four words or whatever. What is it? Truth, love, humility, boldness, or five words. Those five words are, they're crucial to, to gospel ministry. And um, I always tell people that, that the key, the key to true gospel ministry is humility. You can't have faithful gospel ministry without it. I think that's the most important, one of the, the most important uh, realities of the gospel is humility. And um, you can't open the door of ministry without it. So I got so yeah, many, out, bro. I, ha- I have so many quotes this time that I don't know how all of these are going to fit together, but I'm just going to rapid fire. (laughs) You want to introduce yourself before you rapid fire? I mean, I'm Adam. I'm Steven. Hi, Steven. (laughs) Uh, I kind of, you know, uh, a a detective, Batman, could piece piece the things together (laughs) and put put who we are, what we're doing, where we live. I have an Andrew Murray quote from his book titled Humility. Humility is the bloom and beauty of holiness. Other quote, it is humility that brings a soul to be nothing before God and removes every hindrance to faith. These are good ones. In our studies at home here, I've been going 
through many, many different books of the Bible. As this recording goes on, I got Jeremiah, I got Ruth, I got Ezekiel, um, I got my Martin Lloyd-Jones quote, humility is ever the greatest safeguard in the spiritual life. So when we are brought low and humbled, it is good for us. And anything that does that for us is working for our good. In this condition, we begin to see a host of things we had been tending to forget. We're going to go to the Bible now. Sound good? Yeah. (laughs) First Peter 5. This whole section is really, really wonderful. First Peter 5, verse 5. Young men, in the same way, submit yourselves to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that in due time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That middle quote, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble is actually Proverbs 3, verses 34. He mocks the mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise Mm. will inherit honor, but fools are held up to shame. You had mentioned you're on the front line. Before we started this recording, we were talking about various aspects of the ministry that you're on. And one of the interesting points that you brought up was mercy ministry. And between you and Jordan and the conversations that we've had, mercy ministry is a huge part of open air evangelism that you're doing. And by mercy ministry, we're talking about taking care of the physical needs of people with yeah. with uh, maybe mothers that don't have the means to take care of their, their babies or whatever. You're providing diapers, you're providing food, you're directing them to pregnancy resource centers, which one of the main things that the pregnancy resource centers are, are doing a lot of times is they are providing mercy ministries. They're providing the, the physical needs for these women and their families. It's an aspect of your ministry, but it's not the main focus of your ministry. And as you were talking about that, you were talking about the gospel and the law and the verse that kept on popping into my head was the gates of hell will not overcome it because you are a soldier. You are on the front lines. When you're on the front lines, you don't always have the time or the means to provide for the wounded off on the side because you're in the midst of va- of battle. You're in the spiritual right. warfare going on there. There's a focus to your mission. The mission must be completed. The law must be proclaimed. And the good news of the gospel must be given, which has the long-term eternal effects of salvation, not just putting a Band-Aid on a wound. Yeah, you're right. And, and that, uh, you know, the the proclamation of the gospel in humility puts eternal value to mercy ministry. It puts eternal value to clothing, to diapers, to baby food, to a hotel room. It, yeah, it, it puts it puts meat on those bones because when we start with the gospel, uh, we we start with not our humbleness, our humility, but we start with, with Christ's humility. Uh, that, that he willingly undertook the mission that God gave him, that he was made under the law of God, that he fulfilled it, 
that he endured the grievous torments of the cross and that he endured the most painful sufferings in his body, that he was crucified, that he died, that he was buried, and that he remained under the power of death yet saw no corruption. And that on the third day, he rose from the dead uh, with the same body that he suffered and that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God making intercession for all of his people and that he will return to judge uh, both men and angels at the end of the world. Christ humbled himself. And so as we're sharing the gospel with humility, we're pointing to the humility of Jesus. He took on flesh as a baby. He humbled himself into his creation. But but then also, right, it, it, that's one portion of it. We have we have the, humili- the, the humiliation, the humbleness of Christ, and that's putting that humility onto, um, it, it helps make the mercy ministry make sense. We're clothing, uh, we're clothing the poor, uh, but we're also, but we're doing that because we're clothing them first with the righteousness of Jesus. We're offering water, but we're doing that first by offering the water uh, of life. We're giving them bread, but we're giving them the bread of life. But what's in that is that those who repent and believe, they will also share in Christ uh, in his exaltation. As I read that he, he defeated sin and death by his own power on the cross, and he rose from the grave. And so all those who trust in him, they're, they're going to raise from the grave as well. We are, uh, God's children are exalted with Christ and in Christ. And so we too, we, we receive an eternal inheritance. Uh, that is uh, that's stored up for the righteous in Christ. There's real meat on the bones of mercy ministry when you're beginning with the mercy ministry of Christ, that he came, that he humbled himself, and that he was exalted and sits at the right hand of God. And so that's where we get that the poor can become rich. I love this because we have never met in person, but we have been doing this and talking and encouraging each other for, for years now. And you're a military, you're a veteran, and I'm not, but I know that you always have my back on this. You always have my six because I just throw up the ball and you nail it every single time because one of the things that I'm going through is Hebrews. I got my my outline of Hebrews up here. But I'm first, before I go to Hebrews, I'm going to Ezekiel 17, verse 22. This is what the Lord God says. I will take a shoot from the lofty top of the cedar, and I will set it out. I will pluck a tender sprig from its topmost shoots, and I will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. I will plant it on the mountain heights of Israel so that it will bear branches. It will yield fruit and become a majestic cedar. Birds of every kind will nest under it, taking shelter in the shade of its branches. Verse 24, Then all the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring the tall tree down and make the low tree tall. I dry up the green tree and make the withered tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. Amen. We go to Hebrews then, which is the perfect outline of what you were just preaching there. 
I so I'm I have the Reformation Study Bible that I'm going through, and this morning it was uh, chapter nine. But I'm just going to go through the whole outline that they have. They have one: Christ is superior to the angels, chapter one and two. Two: Christ is superior to Moses, one of the meekest and humblest servants of God. Christ is superior to Moses, chapters three to four. Third point, Christ is superior, is a superior priest to all other priests, chapter 4 to 7. Fourth point, the superior priestly ministry of Christ, chapter 8 to 10. And finally, five, call to persevere in the faith. We have the most humblest example, Christ, who was in glory in full fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, came down, humbled himself, born of a woman, as you were saying, born under the law, to redeem sinners. And this is our example. This is our perfect picture of humbleness. You raised up the holiness, the supremacy of Christ, the holiness of God, the the greatness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God of all of creation that spoke and the universe leapt into existence is holy, holy, holy. You, that's so highlighted. You know, Christ plunges himself. God plunges himself into humility. Like you said, taking on flesh and uh, being born under the law, coming into his creation. So humble. When I think, let's think of, it still be easy for us to think he humbled himself to the position of, of a baby, and immediately we think of the, the virgin birth. But he humbled himself to the position of a baby. Think of the virgin con, uh, conception, right? Like he humbled himself to the point of being conceived in the womb as a human being. Uh, at, at that moment, Jesus began to atone for the sins of his people. At the moment of conception, Jesus began to atone and live a perfect life to atone for our sin nature and for the sins that we would commit. Um, Humbled himself to the moment of conception as a baby, as a child, uh, a human being in the womb. And at that moment, he began to live a righteous life in the womb that we can never live, having a perfect holy nature. That's humble. And then to grow up as, as an adult and bear the full weight of God's wrath you know, no, no eye has seen, ear has heard, mind has imagined what that is like to bear the full weight of Almighty God onto yourself for the sake of all of your people while being mocked and jeered at, stripped naked, crucified, rejected by your friends, um, spat on, uh, a spear uh, shoved through your side. And yet still at, at the, at the end, after crying and sweating drips, drops of blood and saying, I could call legions of angels, but the mission of my heavenly father is greater than the pain I'm going to go through to redeem my people. I'm doing it to humble himself to the point of death, as Philippians says, to the point of death, even death on the cross for his enemies, for sinners who don't deserve it. The, the epitome 
of mercy is that we got what we did not deserve. And that was that Christ would humble himself and take upon uh, himself the, the punishment that we deserved for the sins we've committed against God. He humbled himself <laughs> in perfect humiliation. And then, and then to invite us in his exalted resurrection to invite us as members of his family, as ambassadors of Christ, as soldiers of this great king, as co-heirs and co-inheritances of eternal life and all of the benefits that come with being a, a member of the family of God's redeemed people, we ought to be humbled, not only by Christ's humiliation, but that we get to partake in his victory. In his victory, we partake in that. I believe Romans talks about that, how we share in the victory of Christ. That's incredible. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. It's humbling. That's, that's humility. I wanna, uh, we see it at the cross. I want to look at the negative for a second because perhaps there's somebody listening that's like, yeah, I've heard this before. What are you talking about? I don't even understand the purpose of this. I want to talk about the world. I want to talk about the negative. I want to talk about the reasonings. I have a quote. I'm going to kind of jump quotes here. There is something wrong (laughs) and we strive to be better, but we always fail. Now, this is from a gentleman named Martin Lloyd-Jones. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm reading a book right now. A cowbell or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I could set up a uh, a uh, a little sound effect whenever this comes about. So, like the so, law and order sound. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we as Christians, as Bible believing Christians, we believe in a being known as the devil, and in this sermon by Martin Lloyd-Jones, he talks about how the devil was not actually content to be subservient to God. He was not wanting to be a servant of God. He wanted to be equal with God, and so he rebelled against God. So the devil and his fallen angels, they are all consumed with a passion of antagonism against God. And the devil hates God. I have a full paragraph to read now. Now that is the biblical explanation of the trouble. As you see, it started long ago. That is why the Bible starts its history in the Garden of Eden. It is interested Mm. primarily in man, in his creation and condition. It says that all the troubles in the world have resulted from that initial mistake and error of man when he listened to to the devil, and lifted up himself in pride as the devil had done before him, and down he went, dragging the whole creation with him. Man, in listening to the temptation and the enticement of the devil, became the slave of the devil. And then it talks about, quote from, I believe, Luke 11, the devil is the strong man armed that keepeth his palace whose goods are in peace. This is the problem with the world, and this is what the world denies. As you were going out to the pride fest, they glory in their shame. They They call evil good and good evil. And this is the root of the problem. 
when you're analyzing a situation or when you're making a mode of attack, if you don't actually know where the enemy is or who the enemy is, what the enemy's goal is, your plans are futile. You're not going to accomplish anything if you don't acknowledge what the actual goal of the mission is. And yeah. that's where wrapping around to first mercy ministry is wonderful. I have nothing against mercy ministry, but we have to recognize what the ultimate goal is. The ultimate goal is that we are slaves to sin, death, and the devil. And the ultimate yeah. cure is that Jesus Christ came and conquered sin, death, and the devil. And all who are in Christ have the promises of God that they will be saved, that they are saved. The work of God is this. Believe in the one he has sent. John 6, verse 29. This is the greatest news that we could ever have. But unfortunately, people see no need of a doctor if they don't think that they're sick. Right. I have a quote. Right. God, give me a deep humility, a well-guided zeal, a burning love, a single eye, and then let men or devils do their worst. George Whitfield. We have to recognize what our goal is. We have to recognize what our problem is. We have to recognize what the solution is. And we need to snatch sinners out of the fire. Yeah. And this is, I'm, when, it, when it really comes down to it, this is the whole reason I started this podcast was for one person. <laughs> I said, I'm going <laughs> to, let's do a podcast to talk about these things with one person. And it's blossomed to where many different people that I would have never realized would listen are listening. And perhaps there is somebody who's listening and saying, you know, what is the point of this podcast? This point is to preach the good news to all the earth. And this can go out to all the earth. But most Certainly importantly, can. it goes out to the ears and the heart of every single person listening to it right now. And for right. the believer, for the one who is saved, who is in Christ, the point of this episode is humility. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. The reality of that, there's no boasting in that. But there are marching orders. There are definitely yeah. marching or orders here. I have... Another quote, we started going to um, a church very close to my house, actually, like I told you beforehand. I drove there in six minutes, and I had no idea that this congregation was there. But we sang. Man, that's so funny. It's <laughs> so awesome. So the hymn is, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, written by Robert oh, Robinson. That's I'm just, Cadence's favorite. I'm just going to read the third verse. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. 
seal it for thy courts above. Amen. As soon Amen. as we were done singing that on Sunday, I wrote it down on the, the bulletin and wrote humility, big letters right next to it. Ironically, maybe not ironically is the word because they have special music and that's when you know different singers from the congregation will go up and sing something to very talented women than saying every verse of take my life, let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments yeah. and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. And just closing my eyes, letting the tears come. Because that's why we're doing this. That's why you go out there every day and you get the vitriol and the hatred and you see the gates of hell every day that you're out there. Yeah. Even Satan's work, you know, the great deceiver, the the prince of the power of the air, the one who's at work in the sons of disobedience, the, the one who prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for whom he would devour and at the same time disguising himself as an angel of light uh, so that he can mock and jeer and laugh as sinners glory in themselves rather than Christ and yet knows that his head has been crushed by the head of Christ, uh, the head of the church, Christ church, and that he's he's been crushed under his feet, uh, Christ has bruised his heel, um, publicly uh, shaming Satan and all the minions at the cross. And, and I just, I just uh, want to, I just want to jump. I just want to jump in. Satan yeah. has bruised Christ's heel, right? Yeah. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify. Um, Jesus has yeah. crushed his head, and yeah. and he's Amen. he's he's nothing anymore to yeah. those who are in and Christ. The, come come what may. Who, who who's the guy um 84 years old um uh not not origin but it was it was Arnold Schwarzenegger no <laughs> <laughs> it's not who is your daddy and what does he do <laughs> my daddy created everything good. actually my father is the almighty God Amen. and for those who are not in Christ, their father is the devil. Right. That is, that is my dad, divine chopper right there. <laughs> who knew that solid theology was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, right. but it's there. Um, Schwarzenegger Lloyd Jones. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, I it's, was bringing up Satan to say that even, even in Satan's, uh, and I was just, naming the characteristics that even, even in all of his evil and vileness and even in his trembling before God, because he knows that God exists, even Satan's, the dominion that the Lord permits him to have is for my humility. I'm humbled when I go out into the front lines and I know that there are different enemies by which I need to, to be aware of. And one of those is Satan. And I think that God, uh, just like with, Paul, although not the same experience, but when he says, take this, uh, there's this thorn in my flesh, Lord, take, I asked the Lord three times, uh, take it away from me. The, the Lord uh, kept that, uh, and, and it humbled Paul. It kept Paul from being prideful. He, he, he knew that, uh, that Satan had something to do with this, and yet God was permitting that, uh, maybe just like in the case of Job. Um, not because he'd been in any sort of sin, he was a, a righteous man, but because he was keeping Paul humble. And I think uh, it's exactly what the enemies of God do. They humble us. In one sense, uh, we know that we can't defeat them. 
without Christ. As you read from you know the, the hymn, here's my heart, Lord, uh, take and seal it, seal it for your courts above. We're humbling ourselves. We're admitting, Lord, I couldn't earn my salvation, and I can't keep it. <laughs> I can't. My heart is prone to wander. Here's here's my weakness. My weakness is that I'm prone to wander, Lord. So I need I need you to take it. The Westminster Confession talks about how we need to see ourselves in our sin and in our misery and in our need for Jesus. Humility. We humble ourselves before God. God, I cannot save myself. And even in my confession of humility, in my humble confession, Lord, I could not even do that (laughs) on my own. I've needed you to open my heart to the reality that I'm dead in sin that I'm miserable without Christ and that I need a righteousness that is not my own. And I need it now <laughs> and I need it forever. I need you to uphold me with your righteous right hand, Lord, because I cannot hold myself up. And, uh, and it's easy in the world to turn to autonomy, to, to pride festival, to celebrate our pride ourselves. We are sadly mistaken. If when we go to something like a, pride festival to preach the gospel that 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 the primary sin is homosexuality it is i'm not and don't what i don't think that i'm trying to water that down well ultimately ultimately though as I, i mentioned every sin boils down to a rebellion and a hatred of god right exactly and i think they're honest about that pride i want we're here to celebrate all you know that we're god and that God is not, you know. My family and I, we, we finished Judges, which which was tough. <laughs> I got to be honest, it's been a while since I've read Judges. And yeah. there, was, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And there's a lot of very difficult content in there. But we finished it. And for those who know their books of the Bible, after Judges, we have Ruth. And we started... Ruth chapter one yesterday and Ruth is so wonderful. Baby Ruth. So Ruth, Ruth was, you know, Ruth was, yes. Baby, who Ruth? I grew up in the eighties, man. Um, there we go. You don't need to play that movie for your daughters though. I don't know. Hopefully hopefully you haven't. We we it was yeah. one of those yeah yeah if you know <laughs> it you know it <laughs> yeah we're not going to encourage anyone to go out and maybe I mean we we probably saw it first with the TV version so it actually probably wasn't that bad when we saw it with all of the <laughs> edited stuff either way though Ruth was a Moabite and one of the quotes that I have here is actually from Jeremiah forty nine and fifty. And I had no idea how wonderful this goes together, but it does. Jeremiah 49, verse 6. So it's talking about judgment on Ammon, the Ammonites. And then the following chapter, I believe, chapter 50, is talking about judgment on the Moabites. I could be wrong about where those are, but they're right next to each other. But the Ammonites and the Moabites are the descendants of Lot and his daughters. And if you know that account in Genesis, it's a horrible story about how the daughters 
took advantage of their father. They got him drunk, and then they have children from there, and that is the Ammonites and the Moabites, and these were tribes that were despised by the Israelites. These were enemies. These were those who they hated. They had nothing to do with them for the most part. I have 49 verse 6 where it talks about the judgment on the Ammonites, and this is the greatest news. But afterward... I will restore the fortunes of the Ammonites, declares the Lord. We jump wow. before the Ammonites. It has in chapter 48, verse 29, we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his loftiness, his pride, and his arrogance, and the haughtiness of his heart. I know his insolence, declares the Lord. His boasts are false. His deeds are false. Therefore, I wail for Moab. I cry out for all of Moab. It goes on and it gives the judgment of on Moab. But then you go to verse 47 of chapter 48 of Jeremiah. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. Thus far is the judgment on Moab. So you have the judgment on Moab and Ammonites, and you have these scorned, evil, hated people by the Israelites. And God shows mercy. God shows grace. That is the good news, though. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord, thus far as the judgment on Moab. The good news is the gospel, that even the worst of sinners can be saved. Christ died for sinners of who I am chief. Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's the verse I'm looking for. This is the good news. This is the wonderful news of salvation. Repent and believe and you will be saved. Oh, I've done horrible things. You don't know what I've done. No, God came and preached good news to the Moabites, to the Ammonites, and that's where it wraps back around. We started Ruth chapter 1, and who was Ruth? Ruth was a Moabite. And if you go to the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you have Ruth married to Boaz. Yeah, we're born again. We're born again to a living hope. And, th- and that means that, that Christ, Christ humbles us to the point of being a new creation. It is repentance and faith. But for the person who thinks like, oh, the, so the most evil person can just, you know, repent and believe and be forgiven. And we want you to understand that it's not that that person is the same person anymore. That person who was the chief of sinners, God displayed his patience, long suffering and power in humbling that person and causing them to be born again. They are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. They're a new creation. And so when you are saved, when we talk about being a born-again Christian, it means that you're, you're no longer who you once were. Your affections have changed. It's not that, oh, the murderer finds forgiveness and he's still a murderer, or the liar finds forgiveness and he's still a liar. No, it's this individual having repented and believed has been born again, and they are not who they were anymore. That's humbling. That God, in some sense, uh, permits you to keep your character, who you are, 
but he gives you a new, a new heart. Your heart of stone has become a heart of flesh. And that's humbling. It's God's, you know, we were talking about Tulip earlier, but before the, the podcast, it's part of God's irresistible grace. <laughs> he, he changes you. You were totally depraved. And by his unconditional election and by his atonement for his elect, through his irresistible grace toward you, you are now persevering as one of God's saints, no longer identified as a totally depraved sinner. But you've been drawn by his grace, changed by his grace, his unconditional love has abounded unto you and caused you to be born again to a living hope as a new creation, whereby you can say today is the day of salvation, and I have trusted wholly in Christ, who has changed my sinful disposition to a new one. And so I'm born again, and, and now, instead of living pridefully, I have a new heart, and I'm humble. I, I'm humble, as the you quoted earlier. Uh, n- nothing to, uh, well, no, I can't remember. Nothing to the, <laughs> it was the rhyme, bro. <laughs> I apologize. Simply to the cross I cling. Nothing Whatever in my hand is. I bring, simply to the yeah. cross I cling. We're recording Amen. this very early in the morning. <laughs> and you're not going to yeah. hear it, but I'm going to edit a lot of what I say out because I'm going to have a better outline next time. So I Jer- still, I'm enjoying it. I like it. It's, it's next- raw. <laughs> it's raw. very raw. Jeremiah 48, I believe, was Moabites. Jeremiah 49, I believe, was the Ammonites. And now we're to Jeremiah 50, which is the judgment on Babylon. I'm going to read 31 to 32. Behold, I am against you, O proud one, declares the Lord God of hosts, for your day has come, the time when I will punish you. The proud one shall stumble and fall with none to raise him up, and I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it will devour all that is around him. And those who have any idea about Revelation, the judgment of Babylon is throughout Revelation as well. And this is the gospel call to the proud ones, to those who think that they are good people in and of themselves, who do not know their Lord and Savior, or who are putting their faith in a icon of Jesus Christ and not the true Christ. Repent Mm. and believe in the only way, the only truth, the only Christ, the only one who has come to save sinners. He must increase, but I must decrease from John chapter 3 near the end, I believe chapter uh, verse 30 or somewhere in there. This is the call. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It's foolish. Fools despise wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This is the gospel call. The gospel is found throughout the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we have so many pictures of Jesus Christ and the church in the Old Testament. The brazen serpent pointed 
to the salvation that was going to be found in Jesus Christ alone. Do not yeah. put your do not do not lift yourself up. Do not think that you are a good person. It is only in Christ alone that our hope is found. I have one more hymn. Oh, actually, I, I don't. I don't want to skip over this too. I have a Spurgeon quote. Let's do that first. Yeah, don't do that. Don't don't yeah. skip over the Spurgeon. <laughs> yeah, what's your problem? <laughs> Get your priorities straight. So it's Adam. actually so it's flowers from Puritan's garden. I actually <laughs> I I read this to my kids usually because it's just like a minute or two kind of little devotional. And so Thomas Manton, in writing about Psalm 119, he has, The best of God's people have abhorred themselves. Like the spire of a steeple, we are least at the highest. David a king was yet like a weaned child. So that's the Manton quote. So here's the Spurgeon write-up. Manton is not very clear about the steeple, but he means that the higher a spire rises toward heaven, the smaller it becomes. And thus, the more elevated are our spirits, the less shall we be in our own esteem. Great thoughts of self and great grace never go together. Self-consciousness is a sure sign that there is not much depth of grace. He who overvalues himself undervalues his Savior. He who abounds in piety is sure to be filled with humility. Light things such as straws and feathers are borne aloft. Valuable goods keep their places and remain below, not because they are chained or riveted there, but by virtue of their own weight. When we begin to talk of our perfection, our imperfection is getting the upper hand. The more full we become of the presence of the Lord, the more shall we sink in our own esteem. Even as laden vessels sink down into their watermark, while empty ships float aloft. Lord, make and keep me humble. Lift me nearer and nearer to heaven, and then I shall grow less and less in my own esteem. I'm going to do my final hymn quote here got to stop laughing after I say things. <laughs> when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Wrap back to the previous verse. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Last word, Stephen. God is a spirit in and of himself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection, all sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present, almighty, all-knowing, most holy, most just, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And he humbled himself. God did not leave all of mankind to perish in their sin and misery, but by his humility, 
his love and his mercy. He delivers out of it all who believe, and he saves them by his grace. And the grace of God and the humility of God is manifested in that he freely provides for and offers sinners a mediator and life and salvation by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He humbled himself, and by his Spirit, he calls all of his grace-chosen people and works in them and enables them to live for and to love God as they're on their way to glory. God humbled himself. Humble yourself before him. 